everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are um, talking about he is greater than me. And, and the idea of that is, is simple, that in us, in us, he wants to do incredible work in us. He wants to increase in us. In order for that to happen, in order for him to increase in us, we have to decrease. We have to become less. John the baptizer said that to his followers who were wondering why everybody was starting to follow Jesus. And he said, well, it's because he, he, Jesus, he must increase and, and, and I must decrease. I must become less. And so and when, when that happens, then we start to live for something more. We live for something more and we start to see and watch God do work in our lives that we have, will just blow our minds. And so we've been just looking at one particular verse, one particular verse. Um, and so uh, it's found in Luke 2.52. It says, and Jesus crept increasing in wisdom. So we, we looked at that last week. We looked at what is, what is wisdom? How do we acquire wisdom? And so I would encourage you to, if you haven't listened, to go back and, and listen so that, because we all need need wisdom. We live in a world that we need wisdom and understanding and discernment and, and with, with things. So um, we need Jesus, more important, we need Jesus to increase wisdom in us. That's what we need. And then it says, and we're going to look at today, he, uh, go back if you could. Uh, he increased in wisdom and then stature, in stature. And so the amazing thing is, is that Jesus had a, had a body. Jesus had a body. And we're going to talk about that in a second of why that's, why that's important. Um, but you and I also have a body. Did you know that? Okay, I just want to make sure. Uh, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing, your, your body. It's pretty amazing. Um, your nose and ears never stop growing. You, you probably heard that before. And, and the older you're getting, you're like, my nose is getting bigger. My nose, my ears are getting bigger and longer, right? You've, we've, we've, we've seen that before. Um, not only are your fingerprints unique, uh, but your tongue print is unique. Did you know that? Your tongue print is unique. Um, every second, your body produces 25 million new cells. Every second, your body produces 25 million new cells. New cells. New cells. 25 million. 25 million. 25 million. New cells. Right now. New cells. 25 million. You getting it? Like, isn't that amazing? Like that, like literally 25 million new cells just happened. As a matter of fact, the more that I talk, like now like we're in the hundreds of millions of new cells have just, just changed in our amazing bodies. All right, I don't know if I can get any better than that, but I'll try. Uh, if in an average adult, this, this, is, this is amazing. In an average adult, blood vessels stretch for almost 100 thousand miles. So if you took all the blood vessels out of your one, one out of you, one adult, they stretch out almost a hundred thousand miles long. That's amazing. That's like four times around the earth that you, in you, blood vessels will, will stretch out. 
The human eye, the human eye has, is, is about 576 megapixels. The human eye is about equivalent to about 576 megapixels. Your, your smartphone is about 10 to 12 mega, megapixels. So the pictures that you take from your smartphone, but your eyes is, eyes is 576. You're amazing. You guys are absolutely incredible. The cornea is the only part of the body with no blood uh, supply. The cornea has no blood supply at all. It gets its oxygen directly from, from the air. You have more than 600 muscles. You have more than 600 muscles. You know where the strongest muscle is located? In your jaw. Do you know where the weakest muscle is located? In the center of your ear. I don't see anybody writing this down, but this is good stuff right here. This is good. This is good. You can go back and listen to the recording. That's right. That's right. Between birth and death, the human body goes from 300 bones to just 206. I don't know where those bones go, but that's what happens. The entire surface of your skin is replaced every month. The entire surface of your skin is replaced every month. That's about a thousand new skins in a lifetime. Pound for pound, your bones are stronger than steel. Pound for pound, your bones are stronger than steel. A block of bone the size of a matchbox can support up to 18,000 pounds of weight. This, this body is pretty incredible, wouldn't you think? And the most incredible thing is that Jesus took one. God took one, I should say. And he, he, we have one. And, and it says that in, in, in John, it tells us this in, in John 1. It says, and the word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. John says, we, we saw, we saw God in flesh, the word in flesh. And we saw his glory, the glory of the only son, of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth that, that, that Jesus embodied, Jesus embodied this, this grace and this truth of God. That it says that God is love and Jesus was the embodiment of that love. Jesus exhibited that love and, and John says we saw him. John later wrote in, 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 his, in his first letter uh, to, to a group of people. He says what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and, and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John is going, we, 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 we saw him, we heard him, we, we touched him, we looked at him. I mean, wow, the word of life. We saw him. Paul wrote in Philippians 2, he says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men, he says in verse 8. He says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So God took on a bod. Why? Why did God take on a bod? 
Well, the first thing that we should know is, and there's a list of probably 15 things, but I'm just going to give you two important things. Why did God, why God in a bod? Why did he take on a body? Because so that he can be the perfect substitutionary sacrifice. So that he can be the perfect substitute for you and for me and to make the sacrifice necessary for you and for me. So God took on a body so that he can live a perfect sinless life because a sacrifice of an animal wouldn't cut it. A sacrifice of even just a ordinary human wouldn't cut it. It had to be a perfect substitutionary sacrifice for all humanity and that's what God did and that's why God left his place on a throne to come to this earth to to be seen as an appearance of a man as a bond servant to serve you and me of the need of the greatest need that we have and we all needed a substitute for our sin and he became sin for us wow what a reason for God to take on a bod perfect substitute for a sacrifice needed for you and for me. Another reason why God took on a bod was because so that he could be the priest who is sympathetic to our struggles. So that he could be the priest the, the, or, or a person, God in, incarnate, who could be sympathetic to your struggles and mine. Because we can talk about how amazing the body is, right? We can talk about how incredible the body, how the body works and in the intricate details and the miracle of the body that we have, right? The, your body is a, is a miracle. But we can also talk about how This body fails us too, right? How our body betrays us. How our body sometimes lets us down and how our body is just susceptible to the hurts and the pains and the struggles of this life. Can anybody relate to that? It's good to know that you're in the room. It helps me. So he is, he took on a body so that he can sympathize with you. So he knows when you're hurting. He knows when you're emotionally struggling. He knows when you're going through the agony of loss or betrayal or whatever it is that you've dealt with in your life that you go, does anybody understand what I'm going through? I got news for you. There is a God in heaven who came to this earth who took on flesh and blood and he's saying to you right now, I get it. I get it. He sympathizes with our struggles. The Hebrew writer wrote it this way. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one, Jesus, who has been tempted, or that word can also be used uh, to describe tested, tempted or tested in all things, just as we are yet, because he needed to be the perfect substitutionary sacrifice yet without sin. So 
where I want to go from here is, is that he took on a body to be the substitute sacrifice, perfect substitute sacrifice for our, for our sins, to sympathize so that he can be a person or a priest, according to Hebrews, a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses and our struggles. And he was tempted and tested. And just like you have been tempted and tested in your life, he has been that as well. And we have, because we needed a substitute, we have sometimes given in to that temptation and given in to that sin, but he never did. He never did. So what do we do with that then? What do we do with our, what do we do with our earthly bodies? What are we supposed to do? What is, well, how does the scripture inform us? What does God want us to see when it comes to these bods that we have? And how we're supposed to treat them? Well, the first thing is the scripture tells us that we are to treat, treat it like a temple. That we're to treat it like a temple. That's the first thing, the, the main thing when it comes to our bodies, the way that we're to see our bodies, we're just to see it as a temple. Paul wrote it this way in his first letter to the church in Corinth. He says, or do you not know that your body is a temple? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own? Like he wants you to know that your body is a temple and if you receive Jesus and you've made Jesus as the Lord of your life and you accepted and believed in and by faith in said Jesus is the perfect substitutionary sacrifice for me. If that was you, if you made that decision, then the Holy Spirit of God came and has dwelt in you, lives inside of you. But also you are not your own anymore. You're not your own. He goes on to say in verse 20, he says, For you have been bought for a price. What was the price? The price was, is that when God came, took on flesh and blood for you and for me, that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And so the price was that he died on a cross for you and for me. He says, because of that sacrifice, glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. In other words, treat your body, treat your body as if it's your, a temple. And it's not yours. It's not yours. Let me ask you a question. Um, husbands, let me just talk to husbands and fathers, okay? What if somebody came into your house and said to you, I'm taking this house over now. I can be a better husband and a better father to your kids. Dads, husbands, fathers, how, what would you do? You would probably get arrested, right? Like you would like... You would, there would, you would start getting the guns out of the safe, right? 
Yeah, like this, this, this dude, that this, this, this person that came into my house, he came into my house and he's telling me, I mean, this is my house. I own this place. And he's telling me that he can do better than me when it comes to raising my kids and when it comes to being a husband to my wife. I mean, it, it, there would be big, big problems. Right, guys? Big problems. You're like, this is, who do you think you are, right? Who do you think you are coming into my house and telling me this is mine now? Well, this is what happens when it comes to God's house. It's like we come into God's house and get, say, God, you know what? It's you know what? I'm moving into I know I you bought it. I know it's you bought it and it's yours. It's not mine. It's yours and you bought it, but then we we bow up and we say, "No, it's my body. It's my life. I'll do with what I want to do with my body and my life. I'll I'll put in my body, my life, whatever I want." No one's going to move into my house, right, and overtake my house. But you know what we allow to have happen? We allow to have happen things that move into our house. Things like, I don't know, stress. We let stress move into the house. We let anger move into the house. We let worry move into the house. We let envy move into the house. We let sexual immorality move into the house. We let lust move into the house. We let greed move into the house. We let addiction move into the house. We let gluttony move into the house. We let laziness move into the house. We let unrest move into the house. We let pride move into the house. You see what I'm saying? God's going, that's my space. It's no, there's no room for your pride. There's no place for your anger. There's no place for your anxiety. There's no place for your fear. There's no place for your jealousy. This is mine. It's not yours, God's saying. Are you with me? Don't let those things move in to God's house. I feel better when I get angry. Or I just like, you know, gossiping. Makes me feel better. Or I just, I like it, you know, watching whatever I want to watch and whenever I want to watch it. I like that. It's not your house. That has no place. It's God's. It's God's. Don't let anything move in. And God's going, if you're going to let something else move in that belongs to me, we're going to have a war. And you feel that tension, don't you? Oh, by the way, you know what that, that the Bible describes that as? It's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. The battle between the flesh and the spirit. I mean, let me ask you this. Just imagine with me for a second, okay? What if, what if Mary, Virgin Mary, came into the room right now, pregnant with the Son of God? How would you treat Mary? 
If Mary walked in and, and you, you knew and she's pregnant with, with God's son, how would you treat Mary? You would be like, I've been sitting in this seat for 50 years, but you, you can have it. You would, and I would too, you and I would be tempted to even worship her. We would be like, you're, wow, you're chosen by God to carry God's only son. And you're like, you're amazing. And, and we would like, we would like stop everything. I wouldn't preach. We wouldn't do any songs. And we would be like, here, take all of our money. Right, right. Like you talk, I'll sit down and listen with my family. You talk and like, how would we do that? Listen, listen, listen. Did you know Luke 2 is all about this idea? You see Luke 2, you see the birth of Jesus, right? You see the birth of Jesus, and then you see uh, Jesus being dedicated, going to the temple to be dedicated with Mary and Joseph. And then in the same exact chapter, you sort of fast forward 12 years, and you see Mary and Joseph going back to Jerusalem for the Passover, and then they're heading back after Passover and about a day's journey in, they realize they don't have Jesus. Have you read this? And they're on full mode panic. Like, where is he? We lost God's son, right? Like, we had, you, Mary, you had one job to do and that's take care of God's son and you blew it. And then they went back to Jerusalem and it took about a day for them to find him. And you know where he was? You know where he was? He was in the temple, astounding people. Do you know that's all just setting up what the, Paul wrote about the mystery of, of Christ, the mystery of hope, of glory? And the mystery was is that God was going to take residence inside of a human body. So let me ask you this. If you would go above and beyond in how you treated Mary, knowing that she had the life of God in her, why do we treat other brothers and sisters so poorly? when they also have the life of God in them. What if we, what would change in your marriage? What would change in your relationship with your kids? What would change with your finances? What would change in your career? What would change with your whole life? If you knew, if you believed that, the person who put their faith in Jesus also has the life of Jesus residing in them, just like Mary. I think, I think it would radically change the church around the world if we just started treating people as if, which is true, that they have the life of God in them. What do you think? What do you think? And I certainly know that we would treat our bodies differently if we believed that the life of God was in us, let alone treats your spouse or your neighbor 
or each other differently. Knowing that they have the life of God in them. So Paul says, it's not yours. <laughs> it's not yours. It's his. You wouldn't let anybody else come into your house and tell you that you, they can do a better job. You wouldn't let that happen. God doesn't want you to let anything else come and live in his house that isn't already his. You with me? Are you following? Are you tracking? Let me know. Let me know. Okay. Why do we have an earthly body? We're supposed to treat it like a temple. That's number one. Number two, number two, we're to train it towards transformation. We're to train it towards transformation. And notice I didn't say trying. I, I, it's not, it's training. It's not trying. It's training. It's not trying. Listen, I can try to run a marathon, but I can't do it. I can't do it. You know why? Because I, I'm not trained to do it. I don't have within my body the ability to be able to run 26.2 miles. Like I can barely run six miles. Like after six miles, my legs are going, it's over, you're done. Like start walking now. Like it's because it's, I don't, I, it's, it's, so you can try, right? You can try and I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. But what if we decided I need to just start training I need to start training my mind. I need to start training my, my body to be able to accomplish what God wants me to accomplish. And that is to, be, to have transformation in my life. And the, and the goal of, of life is, is this. Here's the goal of life. To be conformed or transformed in the image of Jesus. That's the goal. That's your goal. If, you, if, you, if your goals are anything less than that, you're falling short. That the goal of life is to become more like Jesus. Like, I'm trying to become more like Jesus. I'm trying to become more like Jesus. No. Start training to become more like Jesus. Paul says it this way in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Paul says it this way. Everyone who competes in games exercises self-control in all things. So that they do it to obtain a perishable wreath. But we... And imperishable. I'll get back to that in, in a minute. Verse 26. Therefore I run in such a way as to not run aimlessly, but I box in such a way as to avoid hitting air. Verse 27. But I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. In other words, I discipline my body, I make it my slave, so that when I share Jesus to others, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not, an, I'm not a fake. I'm not a phony. I'm not a Pharisee who tells someone that they have to do these things and don't do these things, and I do and don't do them myself. 
So Paul says, I've got to train my body for transformation. It's not trying, it's training it. It's training it. So I run. I'm a runner. I can say that now. I'm like, I'm proud of that. I'm a runner, everybody. I'm a runner, okay? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I know, I know. You're like, do we have to clap for this? You don't have to clap. So in order for me to be able to run and, and, and try to run more and more and more than six miles without wanting to stop, you know, and throw up on the side, too much information, I, I, have, I had to let go. I had to stop buying some things, Right? So I, I wanted to, I, I shared with you, I don't know, a month ago or longer, that I, I, I knew I needed to lose some, some LBs. I, I gained the COVID-19 plus 10. And, um, and I, so I needed to lose some, some LBs. So I, so I started, started running. And then, but I also had to stop buying some things, right? When you, when you diet, exercise, you, you know this. Like I had to stop going through to you know, so many fast food places, right? And I, and I needed to cut back on the amount of cream and sugars that I ha- had in my, my coffee. As a matter of fact, I started to going to, and I have been going to Tim Hortons less and less. I, you, if you've tracked with me a while, you know I love to go to Tim Hortons and get a triple-triple. Three creams, three sugars, it's sweetness. I mean, it is amazing delight of my life. But I had to stop buying it, right? And you know other things like freezer, you know, freezer foods, you know, those like easy to make freezer foods, like those popcorn chickens, you know, that you just throw in the air fryer or, you know, my favorite chicken fries. Anybody had chicken fries? Chicken fries are absolutely amazing. If you haven't had chicken fries, you need to go. No, you shouldn't. You should. They're, they're terrible for you. They're terrible for you. You know, you know, high calorie drinks, you know, sugary drinks, those are the kind of things, right? I had to stop buying those things. Because if I didn't, if I had those around, I would I would be tempted and tested and tempted to, to partake in those things. Not good, right? So I had to literally stop buying those things. Or 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 in other words, those things, those things had to die in my life, right? Those things that I was allowing into my body, those things, I had to stop buying them and they had to die. They had to die. And, and this is exactly what Paul is advocating for us. He, here's what he's saying. Here's what he says in, in Romans. He says this in Romans eight thirteen. He says, for if you are living in accord with the flesh, you are going to die. Eventually, you know, the principle is if you st- keep eating those sugary, you know, f- you know foods and drinks and, and, you know, those frozen foods and, and fast food every day, eventually it's going to kill you, right? It's going to kill you. Like, it's going to catch up to you, right? But, he says, but if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You'll be healthier. And so, so there's, there's some things that we need to put to death. We need to put to death some things in our life. And, and we need to, and here's what I always tell people, this is important. We need to stop trying and actually start dying to self. Like, 
Greed needs to be put to death. You know, lust needs to be put to death. Jealousy needs to be put to death. Gossip needs to be put to death. Like these are things that are eventually, you think that in the moment they make you feel good, but eventually they're just gonna kill you. And Paul's saying, listen, how you don't, you don't need to keep, you need to stop trying. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. You're not trained. You're not trained. You gotta get trained. And then when you're trained, you can start putting things to death. So in other words, stop buying, stop buying the lie. Stop buying the lie of the enemy that's, that's telling you, oh, you need these things. Oh, you, 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 have to, you have to take these things in order for you to cope in life. Oh, you need to have, the, you know, to partake in these things in order for you to relax and to calm down and to chill out and to get some sleep and to, you know, all these things that the lie of the enemy is telling us that we need in order for us to feel better about ourselves and to numb, numb the pain. And Paul is saying, we got to stop buying the lie. We gotta stop buying the lie and start dying to the deeds of the body. And Paul gives the analogy of athletics, right? He gives like, he talks about running, running the race and he talks about boxing. He's like, I'm not boxing aimlessly as, as if I'm hitting air. He's like, I've got a target. I've got to aim. I've got a goal. And the goal for you and the goal for me is to be transformed like Jesus, that's the goal. So just like in athletics, he's saying athletics, here's how athletics work, right? It's about preparation for perfection. We just got done watching the Olympics. I love the Olympics. And you, and you see, you gotta know that, man, overnight success happens in 10 years of preparation and training. Do you know that? Overnight success. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens because of years and years of preparation and training. And these athletes, these Olympic athletes, I mean, you can go back and read about all the different, you know, athletes. I, I went just and, and did a, a, a reading on uh, Katie Ledecky. Uh, I was, I'm just like so impressed by her swimming ability. I don't know anything about swimming. Nothing about swimming. All I know is she dominates. So I went and go. I went and looked back at like her training, and it's insane how she trains. Like diving. Ever anybody watch diving? Anybody in the Olympics watch any get caught watching diving? I don't know. For me, like at night, the Olympics are on and diving is on. I'm like, I'll watch diving. I guess right. And then they, you know, they jump off that board. And then at first you have the same feeling, right? I, they're going to hit their head on the board. Like I always have like, oh, like that, that panic feeling. Like they're going to hit their head. And then they, they, they go straight down into the water, you know, into the water. And, and all of them, all of them look like it's like spot on. But all of them have different scores. Like not all of them win the gold or the silver or the bronze, Right? I mean, I, there's a big group, and they all look the same to me because I, I don't know anything about diving, but here's what I know. 
There was preparation in order for, for, for them, and I don't know what it looks like, for, but for them to perfectly land into the water in the right way they're supposed to land into the water. And there's people that know about diving that say, that was perfect 10. But then others got a 7. And I'll go, I don't see the difference between a 7 and a 10, but somebody does. And just like in spiritual letics, I just made up this word. <laughs> in spiritual letics, there's preparation for perfection. You're like, oh, I gotta be perfect? You're striving for perfect. You're striving for perfect. Paul's saying, I'm running the race. To win. There's a lot of runners, right? Paul's going, I'm going for the win. There's two boxers. I want to knock one out. I don't want to be the one that gets knocked out. So he's saying to you and to me, go for the gold. Go for the gold. Go for the win. Train your body in preparation for you to have perfection. You'll never, here's, let me just catch us up, okay? With some verses to support this. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. Look, then look, look what he says. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And I could give you 10 other verses that tells us that we should prepare our bodies for perfection. In other words, that we should, our goal is to become like Jesus. That's our goal. So he's saying, listen, we need to, our, our, we need to cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and perfect holiness. And then Paul gives us some reassurance, okay? So anybody that's feeling bad about themselves, here's some reassurance, okay? Here's what Paul says in Philippians. Not that I have already grasped it, it all or have already become perfect. The apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians to ever walk this earth said, I, don't, I haven't grasped it yet and I haven't become perfect, but I press on, but I press on, but I press on. If I may also take hold of that for which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. He's saying, I'm pressing on because Jesus took a hold of me and now I want to take a hold of him. I want to become like him. No matter what that means, no matter what that looks like, no matter what sacrifice, no matter what self-discipline, no matter what self-control I need to have, I'm gonna be like him. That's why you're here. You're here to show the world the hope of Jesus. And you say, I'm not perfect. You're in good company because Paul said, I haven't grasped it either, but I'm 
pressing on. Is there anybody here watching from home? Type in the chat, I'm pressing on, I'm pressing on, I'm pressing on. Come on, anybody, let's keep running. What do you think? What do you think? Should we keep running or should we quit because it's too hard? Should we just keep living in this life and swinging at air? Should we get in the race and just hope we finish? Don't sell yourself short. Live. Live for more. Live for more. You're in the race. Win. Win it. You're in the match against the devil. Don't let him knock you out. Too many of us are sparring against the enemy and he's punching our lights out. He's kicking our guts in. You have the spirit and the life of God in you. Fight like you do. Because when God is with you, when God is for you, nothing can stop you. Knock him out of your life and don't let him take residence. It's God's house. It's God's house. I'm, I gotta finish. Here's the good news. I don't know if I shared a lot of good news. But here's the good news about having the life of God in you. Neva, we're going to skip ahead to the third point, if we could. Today, it's temporal. But in eternity, it's fully transformed. Isn't that good news? Come on, stay with me. This is really good news for those who have the life of God in you. Today it's temporal. And we feel that. And we know that. Our bodies betray us. They let us down. They're decaying. It's harder and harder to do things. It's harder and harder to strive and to fight and to, and to win out. I get it. And it's temporal. But in eternity, it's transformed. Look what, look what Paul says in, in Philippians uh, 3.20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he says next. Who will transform the body of our lowly condition into conformity with his glorious body by the exertion of the power that he is even to subject all things to himself. He wants to, us to remember that our citizenship is in heaven. And today, our bodies are broken and they're temporal, but one day they'll be transformed. Our bodies will be transformed into a glorious body by the power of God. 
Paul wrote it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. I hope you're taking encouragement in this. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. Verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Verse 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Verse 54. He says, but when this perishable puts on imperishable and this mortal puts on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death has been swallowed up in victory. Hey, everybody, right now it's temporary. One day you're going to be so imperishable and then you're going to be raised up in perishable. You are sown mortal, but one day you're going to be raised up immortal. Is that good news for all of us? This is just a temporary, temporary struggle. But we are running the race we're running the race, we're running the race, and one day we're going to run into eternity and everything that is wrong in this life, the grief, the pain, the worry, the sorrow, the agony, the loss, the emotional unrest, the tears will all be wiped away because death was swallowed up in the victory of Jesus who took on a body to be the substitute for my sin and to also sympathize with our struggles. What victory we can have. So until that day, until that day, come on, until that day, Keep punching away. Press on. Press on. Press on. Keep running the race. So that you can be like Paul and say, I ran the race. I finished the course. I fought the good fight. And I kept the faith. I kept the faith. He wants to do that in us. He wants to increase in that. That in us. But you and me, we have to become less in order for that to happen in us. And in the meantime, what do we do? What do we do in the meantime until we get to that eternal destination where we'll be transformed? What do we do? Here's what the Hebrew writer tells us to do, and I'm done here. Repeat, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are yet without sin. Verse 16, what do we do? Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help in time of our need. Until then... You can go to the throne and say, God, this ache, pain, struggle, temptation, I need you. I need you. And you'll receive his mercy and you'll receive his grace for help in that time of need. And then one day, you'll run in eternity 
And you won't have to stop at mile number six. And even mile 26. And even mile 100. You'll just keep running. And you won't get tired. Isn't that good news? All right. Father, ah, so easily said, so much harder to do. Not to let things move in in our house that you don't want, that they don't belong. So many things that just have to be put to death, that just have to die in our life. A race that we get tired of running some days. Keep striving to be more like your son Jesus and keep feeling like we fall short, but you tell us not to look behind. You tell us to forget the past and you tell us to just keep pressing, pressing on, pressing on, pressing on. So God, I just pray, Lord, that we're all just inspired by your word to keep running. Keep running. Knowing that one day, soon, shortly, it's such a blink. We're gonna run into eternity and we're gonna be fully transformed and receive a brand new body that doesn't decay, that doesn't experience pain, and doesn't feel the hurt that brings about tears. God, you just, it's your grace and your love and your kindness that we can approach at any time, approach your throne at any moment. We thank you for that. I pray you help us all with this endeavor of in our bodies, you increase and we decrease. In Jesus' name, amen.